0: Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Matt Maruka. We just met, we met recently over text through our mutual friends, uh, Sky King. And then we got to throw the football around, blow each other up with gel blasters, listen to you play some music, smoked a, uh, a bag of tobacco tea and herbs from, our, uh, from the volcano, which is a direct descendant of our mutual brother, Paul Czech. who uh, thank you, Paul, for all that and all you've done for, for both of us. So. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, Cal. Now, listen, uh, and I talked about this prior. We're going to get in and have a, a really fun conversation, but I also want to be really intentional because I know you and I can talk about a lot of things. At the ripe old age of 21, which still fascinates me, you, you've learned a lot and not just through study, but you've certainly done your homework, but you've learned through your own experience. And for me, that is the greatest teacher. And you're you're what I'd call a wounded healer. Like you've gone, you've gone to that place when you were 15 and were having the digestive issues and things weren't working with you. You went in to figure out why. So I would love for you to to maybe give a little bit of background into that. And then like, let's get into like some practical ways of, you know, this podcast is The Great unlearn. My journey is about unlearning. And so I'd love to unpack what are some common misconceptions with sunlight? I mean, your podcast is called The Light Diet. Your movement is The Light Diet. So let's get in there and see how people are misunderstanding sunlight and light in general, you know, inside. And then like, how do we, you know, really repattern that understanding, and then we'll get into practical uses of, you know, what can people, you know, what's, what's the light diet 101 that people can today start, like not try to be you today, right, but what are some steps that they can take, little adjustments uh, within their natural rhythm that can help them kind of really get in touch with that relationship with the sunlight, which is, as you know, is, is really our life force, so. Yeah. Well, there
1: is plenty for us to discuss. (laughs) I'm excited about
0: it. I'm going to do my best to keep us somewhat on topic, but it's just not my orientation. So, so this is a challenge for me that I, that I, that I welcome. Likewise. So
1: first of all, you said the light diet, and I'd love to just unpack that because people hear that and wonder, is it a diet of like a light, like just salads and stuff? That's what people could think. So, light, of course, is the energy, one of the forms of energy in the universe, and it happens to be the most relevant for living organisms. So, my journey goes through when I was younger and having these health issues. And ultimately, it all led to me understanding that the traditional solutions to health challenges that are used in the Western world, first of all, like pharmaceutical drugs, but also a lot of naturopathic things and remedies like that and even diets, supplements and exercise are, they all play a certain role. You know, pharmaceuticals, I, less so in my mind, but uh, naturopathic things, alternative remedies, supplements, exercise, diet, they all play an important role. But one of the most overlooked factors in our health is light. Because again, when you look at the core of humans and all living organisms on earth, light is sort of our lifeblood. And so the light diet is basically just a diet of our light exposure. And I, I use diet in a bit of a, a way to bring light to something that people are already familiar with. So people are familiar with going on paleo diet or the vegan diet or the carnivore diet. So I use the term diet intentionally because, you know, some people will say, oh, I don't know if you want to use the term diet because then you're kind of thrown into that pool. And I'm like, well, no, it's intentional. It's by design. Diet talks about a certain way of consuming things that, you know, ha- is, has a, some sort of intended outcome on the body. And as opposed to a food diet, it's a diet of our light exposure. And I happen to have been one of the first people to, to come up with this type of thing. So I get the, you know, liberty of calling it the light diet. Yeah, I <laughs> so eventually there'll be this light diet and that light diet, but I just get to say this is, this is what I think and uh got the instagram and the domain for a very ridiculous price. You would think that raw optics would be more obscure than the light diet as far as simple words domain names go, but raw optics cost me like 4 or 5 grand and the light diet was like 70 bucks. Yes. So like how does nobody own the lightdiet.com? You know, you'd think that if you're just buying you know browsers or domain names just to, you know, you buy all the ones with the common phrases. So anyway, I lucked out there, but anyhow, um that's the light diet. Just, it's, it's a diet of our relationship with light.
0: This is your opportunity. The invitation is for you to really have that personal sovereignty around your health. Um, just like I, I encourage you to try to look at other areas of your life where you can really have that ownership of what you do, how you do it, your yeses and your noes. And again, that's a whole nother podcast, but What we're about to get into now are, you know, Matt's light diet and some principles behind it and practical applications. And again, I'd love to just paint the picture for people like, hey, this is, you know, you don't think it's so bad being inside all the time because it's, you know, you get the thermostat on, it's really comfortable, da-da-da-da-da. But like, what are the harmful effects of being inside all day? This gets juicy. I love it. So basically... As beings of light, as
1: we can say, we are powered by the sun. So, all that evolutionary time that we were outdoors, you know, until we moved to an indoor lifestyle, we were getting what you could consider like a full spectrum multivitamin of energy from the sun. In other words, there's all these different wavelengths, and each wavelength can be absorbed by specific molecules and so on, which can therefore have certain effects using that energy. And so, One way to put it is that our body sort of became like a palette of paint that has an unlimited number of colors that you can pull from. So this is an analogy I'd like to work on a little further. But basically, we are like a painting that has every single color in it between infrared and ultraviolet, every single wavelength of light between there many of them our bodies using if not most of them and all of them for things that haven't even been fully discovered but many of which have been researched and studied so a way to think about this is if you have a painting that has all these beautiful colors and all these different tones in it and you shine just a blue light on it or just a red light you can't see all of the colors in that painting because in order to see them you have to have the light present that those specific pigments and those different colors of paint absorb and reemit so you can see them you know what i mean if you mm. see a painting in darkness you don't see the painting you could feel it with your hands but you can't see it so in in a similar way our body is like a full spectrum palette of color painting that has been developed over billions of years with all of these frequencies and wavelengths of light that power a lot of different things in our body so with a painting whereas it's sort of You know, it it holds energy, but it's sort of sedentary and it hangs out there. In our body, all these wavelengths, all these different colors power a lot of different things. So the first risk of just living the indoor lifestyle is simply you're losing your color, your shine, your glow, your energy, your vital life force. And the function of basically every single biochemical reaction in the entire body is diminished because the full spectrum of sun powers such a wide variety of processes That when we don't have that regularly and consistently, we are becoming a less complex organism. We're becoming, all of our high-level functions are lowered. So some examples of these, if we go through each of the colors, if we start with infrared, infrared structures water in the body and allows it to carry and store information and energy effectively. So this is the work of Dr. Gerald Pollack studying fourth phase Mm. water and many experts before him. But structured water is produced by infrared light. So infrared light is sort of like one of the most important wavelengths of light for the body. It's very essential to get us functioning. And, you know, people use things like you can use bonfires, you can use saunas to to get extra infrared. And everyone knows if you've done a sauna, how great that makes you feel. That's because of all the near and far infrared, but especially near infrared, powering a lot of different things, structuring our water, making our mitochondria run better. So that's a really important piece of the sun that we get when we're outside. And not when we're inside behind window glass and other things that filter out this spectrum. So like, for example, if I were to rebuild your house, I would go to every length I could, which is, isn't something I've done personally because I haven't, you know, had my own house. I'm 21. I'm sort of living out of Airbnb. You don't have your own world. house yet? Fuck, yeah. you've
0: done everything else. Yeah, right. <laughs> but
1: I uh, I would make sure I found what's called full spectrum glass or which is quartz basically quartz or but that'd be very expensive.
0: I was gonna say how expensive is it relative to like a regular pane of glass? I would guess whatever it is probably times like 10 or 20 I would assume. So maybe in a room like this where I spend a lot of time I would make the investment on that pane of glass right there that shines in here.
1: And quartz would be fancy there's there are plastics that have been developed that uh, transmit full spectrum light including ultraviolet. Now here's the thing over time your books your shelves your couch your paintings are going to lose their they're going to be degraded by the ultraviolet light so they'll lose their color in some ways because of the effect of uv kind of slowly breaking down things Mm -hmm. but that's not how it is for our body uv gives us energy that we take advantage of because unlike, it is more oxidative and damaging because it's a higher frequency light so we don't need tons of it but we need enough to power certain systems that's the other side of the spectrum so
0: on the video on uh, on the raw optics website, which you it's about a seven minute video, which is amazing, which uh, everyone should go watch and we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes, but you had a, uh, what's the
1: spe- spectrometer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that thing was super cool. So I'm curious, uh, you've got the window open, you shine it outside, you go through the glass. Like how much difference is that it's reading.
1: very significant. So the infrared especially with energy efficient homes, the goal is with energy efficiency is to block the heat which makes the the house hotter in the summer and therefore needs more air conditioning and colder in the winter because it would let the heat out. But in doing so, we're blocking our life force energy. And so it's really in my opinion it's not worth the energy benefits energy efficiently wise because when you're blocking out the energy that's important for our health, you're going to basically damage our body. So that's sort of when it comes to building houses, you know, you're going to spend more energy in keeping sick people alive in hospitals with all the issues and diseases they could have. But that's just focusing on the red and infrared component of the spectrum. And that's, or I should say infrared. If we go into further colors, we go into red. So red has been studied and shown to have tremendous benefits on tons of different functions in our body, but namely by improving mitochondrial function, just like infrared does. So certain proteins in the mitochondria absorb specifically red light and that allows them to function better. And that's why there's all these red light panels coming out that give you a high dose of red and a high dose of near infrared in a very targeted manner to give us back some of what. We're, getting, we're not getting when we're not outside or when we're indoors behind windows. So the risk really is just that we're not going to function at our, at our highest level. Now, that's only one spectrum of color, one area of the spectrum that we're talking about. We, I'd like to get into detail on, on more, but a key thing that people need to understand is that we don't need to be in Direct sunlight constantly. We don't need to be out sunbathing all day long, although sunbathing is a very important part of the light diet. But what we do need is regular, sufficient doses of it. And so, in nature, even when you're in the shade, this is the key you're still getting the full spectrum of sunlight. So, like you're under a tree, you're in the shade, the full spectrum is still present the ultraviolet, the infrared, and so on. It's all still there, and that's powering our body. So, just by being indoors, we are really reducing a lot of the energy the effects of which are, I would say, almost incalculable, really. So, so
0: that's just the red and in infrared. Okay, so you, you mentioned the, the, the red light panels, the Juve. Is the Juve the one? I've heard you talk about that before. Is that the one that you would recommend? I have one. Let me look at it. It's, it's, it's kind of, I feel like it came out pre, pre-Juve, and uh, it's a much smaller one and not nearly as efficient as like having a wall. with the the juve or even like a small room, but like, what is, what is your recommendation for that getting that exposure?
1: Yeah. So my first recommendation is to go outside basically. So that's just the easy one. Even in the winter, the, the red, the infrared, the full spectrum is still there. So people get caught up like, Oh, it's cloudy. It's cold where I live. But first of all, you can get a lot of the light you need throughout the summer months, you know, Norwegians didn't get light all year round. Finnish people didn't get light all year round. They used saunas to supplement sunlight a little bit in the winter, but they would use also fires. Like almost every human society that would live through wintry times would actually use fires every night. And that's getting us a lot of infrared as well, and also just a way to stay warm.
0: You know, my wife Peyton does a great job of putting our fireplace on here a lot, even when it's like totally not cold out. Um but just that um it feels good in it the room. It feels very good. The it? room
1: feels amazing when you have the infrared and the just the color, the light. It's very powerful. So
0: And then also um I would love for you, I mean, just to remind people, especially men who um it's a, it's a little easier for them to skin off. But like when you're outside, take your shirt off. Like get as much sun exposure on your body as possible. Yeah, and women really ought to be and i'm not just saying this because i'm a guy
1: a young guy but like really need to get sunlight on their breasts like this is the reason breast cancer in my opinion is so rampant is because breasts are always covered and you know people get urinary tract infections because they're always covered from there it's moist down there with clothes on and it gets sweaty it's like we're designed to be getting sunlight which kills bacteria so there's a researcher who
0: yeah. And I, and I love that point as well. And it actually, it, it brings to mind it's something I had asked you about before we got on, just cause I assumed you knew about it. Um, but people have been seeing more and more about what is deemed butthole sunning, but you said it's actually not quite that, that the, the, the target back there that you, that's not the one you're going for. It's the perineum.
1: Yeah. The space between things down there um the skin area and that's the taint yeah yeah that's the spot where it's our first center so it's sort of like a way to take light and I mean when you're shirtless and you're in the sun you're getting the light everywhere but taking that energy into the first center it makes sense to me you know based on what I've learned that that's going to put energy into our you know chakral system basically that we can then you know through meditation through breath work through just living having good posture and having, act, you know, functional biomechanics in our body, you know, from doing things like myofascial release and so on and certain correct types of strengthening exercises, we can have that energy flowing up through our system, which is something that's sort of like the the whole goal of, of life, in my opinion, in many ways is to be able to let our energy move and channel it up through our body. So, you know, that's sort of just do you, do
0: you do any of the perineum sunning?
1: If, if I have a space where I can be in privacy, I will absolutely sunbathe nude all the time. I do not um, often have that, lug, that luxury, I guess I would say, because I'm in places where there's neighbors or whatever. Uh, but where I'm going to be living in Costa Rica, for example, like I'm going to be by myself in the jungle. So yes, I will be sunbathing nude.
0: Worry about any um, XX. Sun exposure on the uh genital area. Yeah. I would just be careful. I
1: listen to my body. I mean, I've gotten lots of strong sun all over my body and had no issue with burning. So my face burns the quickest if I'm getting too much sun.
0: Yeah, I noticed on Instagram a couple times you get a little
1: little bit of a marker. So I'm personally not really worried because it's yes, it's not optimal to burn. It's very suboptimal and it's damaging to the body. So I would not I advocate everyone get sun up until their burn point just, you know, before it till the skin turns a little bit pink, but uh, I'm going
0: to, I'm going to marry but just, just something just came to mind. I can't believe it didn't come to mind yet. Uh, a really close friend of mine has married these two things. Dr. Joe Dispenza, who you and I talked about before we even got on here, but Dr. Joe's work is amazing. Uh, he's married his work with, so my, my, my buddy is super fair skin, redhead, has has had a relationship with the sun, which is based in fear, like always. Sun blocked up, like to the nines. It, it literally fears the sun. And so, as we've been working together, I said, you know, that's one of those things that I would love for you to reconsider that relationship because wh- whatever you you're thinking is happening is going to happen. You're going to manifest whatever the dangers are. The more you think about it, and this guy. Literally, and he starts reading Dispenza and he, he's like, fuck, Cal. he goes, Cal, he went to the extreme. He was down in Florida with his family recently. He lives up north. So it's like, it's not like he was having any sun exposure up where he was. He went down in uh, December, January, went out on a boat without any sunscreen on and was out like completely exposed and did not burn.
1: Yes, exactly. So even, I think, thank you for saying that because even the palest people still do not have to burn. You know, I'm not advocating to go out and be in Florida strength sun all day
0: long. I want to be very clear about this. This guy is, he did the work, the deep, deep, deep meditation to really create that belief within him that this sun was his friend and it was not his enemy. And whenever that, thought would come up. He would just sit with, you know, the, the negative thought he would sit with it, breathe through it and stay in. I was like, dude, like I'm one of those guys who will take it to the edge. I'm not as fair skinned as him. And I wouldn't have done that. So it's like, dude, you actually did the work and the proof is in the pudding. He did not burn and fucking blew my mind.
1: Yeah. That's, and that's very powerful for people to hear. I appreciate you sharing that story. That answers the question of if you're pale, usually people who are pale are sickly because they're lacking color. They're lacking, you can see it. It's so obvious when you see someone who's very, very ghostly. They're like a painting that doesn't have any color. They're deficient in the full spectrum of light that is powering not just the red and infrared on the mitochondria, but skipping across the spectrum. And again, uh, so there's infrared red, orange, yellow, green, and these all have different effects in different ways. But getting into blue, uh, blue sets our circadian rhythm. It controls the timing in our body. That's one of its main effects. And so You know that's what we use that particular color for, or wavelengths in the blue range. And so when we're exposed to blue from the sun, and now we're at the higher energy wavelengths of the spectrum. Blue uh, and violet and ultraviolet are higher energy, so they can be more oxidizing and more damaging if we're getting too much. But the more oxidizing or oxidizing effects of blue light are balanced by the healing effects of red and infrared light. And so when we're in the sun, there's this night, this very nice marriage of the, you know, healing colors with the more sort of oxidative colors and or wavelengths, same thing as colors. And so the sun is sort of this full package that we're tuned to, where as long as we're, again, not doing anything that's super out of alignment with the way we've evolved, which these things would involve living indoors all day, or in, in, yeah, include living indoors all day. Uh, being exposed to artificial light at night would disrupt our circadian rhythm. Being exposed to artificial light all throughout the day eating really bad foods, eating out of season foods, being constantly stressed. Like these are all things that are gonna, in one way or the other, negatively impact our body across the board, including our ability to harness and utilize sunlight such Mm -hmm. that we'll maybe, you know, someone ends up with skin cancer, they're blaming it on the sun. First of all, I would much more quickly point the blame towards all the indoor fluorescent lights they spent more of their time under throughout their life. You know, most people who get skin cancer that I know from... They say the sun lived and worked in, you know, they lived indoors and they worked in an office all the time. And they'd be the weekend warrior. They'd go out and fry themselves. And then they say, oh, the sun caused my skin cancer. It's like, did the sun really cause your skin cancer? The sun gave you life, that's for sure. And it still does through all the food you eat. So are you gonna you're gonna blame the sun for it's kind of like blaming your mother for all your problems because she gave you birth. It's like, mm. okay, like sure, okay, you could say your mom caused all your problems at the core, but is that really fair to say, you know, that your mom caused all your problems because she had you? Like, oh, I think you, you ought to take some of the responsibility on yourself mm-hmm. for your own choices that are out of alignment with reality. And so that is sort of a, a description of like the indoor lifestyle. The risks are we're, we're not getting the red and infrared. We're not getting the proper blue light stimulus to set our circadian rhythm. The Higher energy wavelengths like ultraviolet provide power for our brain to take things like tryptophan and tyrosine and turn them into serotonin and melatonin and dopamine, among many other things. So when we're exposed to sun correctly throughout the day and throughout the seasons, this helps to optimize our production of sex hormones, naturally our production of neurotransmitters optimally. And so the risks of really not getting sun are, and, and living indoors are very tremendous. And artificial light, is really just a sort of bystander or more like an accomplice in the crime, really, because the, again, lack of sunlight's the biggest risk. But what we do is we created man-made light sources in order to attempt to replicate the sun. In other words, like, Artificial light was first seen in its value to extend working hours in the late 1800s in factories. Because if it got dark and all you're using is candlelight and so on, it's people get tired because you're starting to make melatonin with the natural circadian rhythm. But if you can introduce an artificial light bulb that has blue light in it, which the original incandescent bulbs did, very little blue light compared to, uh, for example, modern light sources, but still enough to stimulate these systems in the body to keep us awake. You're you're doing what some people say is burning the candle at both ends. Like you're basically stimulating the brain and the body in such a way that it stays awake, but you're not providing it with the full power of sunlight to power wakefulness with the energy that it requires. In other words, when the mitochondria, when we're present in full spectrum sunlight, whether we're in direct sunlight or in the shade, we are making a certain amount of free radicals, also known as smoke in the mitochondria. I say smoke because any fire or any engine that's doing a combustion reaction, which our mitochondria do just like, you know, the car engine. It's a, the analogy of a car is great because people can relate to it much more, but basically a car is taking a hydrogen-based fuel source like uh, oil and, or gasoline and reacting it with oxygen from the air. And then these make water and that reaction releases a lot of energy which is energy that was first sunlight, which is stored in the electrons of that hydrogen fuel source. And we do the same thing. We take hydrogen-based fuel, which is food, and react it with oxygen from the air, which we breathe, and that makes water to hydrate our cells, and then that releases a ton of energy. And so when when we have this reaction occurring in the presence of the sun, we are doing it more efficiently in our mitochondria and making less free radicals and less smoke, which is like what basically contributes to aging and so on. When we are indoors under light sources or exposed to light sources that, uh, or just through windows that has less infrared and red and more blue proportionately, which is what windows do mostly and our light sources that we created today, we're basically causing our mitochondria to make more free radicals, more smoke, and therefore aging more quickly causing more sorts of types of damage in the body oxidative damage and we make it even worse by continuing to use these lights into the night so that we're just dis- we're disrupting the production of melatonin which is the repair molecule for the damage that occurs any damage that occurs during the day and even if you're in the sun there's still oxidative damage occurring in the body the the cleanest way to go in in you know my opinion is if we basically lived off of light alone and we're not taking in fuel food that's the sort of the cleanest fuel we could possibly have is just pure light energy and there are some people who do you know breatharianism where they live off of basically breath prana or chi like vital life force energy and sunlight and in other words people think that's impossible i do believe it's possible but you would have to be extremely energetically and spiritually dialed in to do that where eating just becomes a choice the funniest thing is yet there's you know, people from the Eastern perspective who have been able to achieve this level of uh, mastery, so to speak. But then there's people who follow this guy, Dr. Cruz, very um, loyally, who I've, who I've spoken with, who live like in Florida. They're super dialed in. And this one guy, and he's actually a CEO of a telecommunications company, ironically <laughs> enough, but they stopped doing wireless stuff once they learn about the risks and they do all wired fiber optics. They run the fiber optic cables in all of New York City for the, streetlights and the traffic and everything um that's like his his one of his accounts so they're very high level but very intelligent people but he told me he's like you know now that i'm in the sun so much and doing this like i don't actually need to eat very much he's like i'll eat two two meals a week you know and i'm like that's basically breatharianism so it's it's uh it's interesting how these things fit together but there's so much truth and so simple but we really just want to be living outdoors so you know and with ultraviolet a whole another sort of facet is that also ultraviolet B allows us to make vitamin D, which is a very, very powerful hormone to allow our body to do all sorts of important things. And people supplement vitamin D and the supplements don't have the same power and effect as, as vitamin D that's made naturally. Uh, I would even say it's, it, it elevates the blood levels of vitamin D, but it doesn't really have the same effects in the body. So one way to phrase sunlight energy, or I should say to phrase bio, to, to, refer to biochemicals in our body biomolecules is that they're actually like messengers for sunlight like if you sort of see the picture i'm painting with this it's that all of the based on the evolutionary evidence and the how how much we now know about how light affects the body it's like life is this complex symphony occurring and there's all these different things occurring and sunlight as the governing sort of agent of life on earth is the I would say the conductor of the entire symphony in many ways of the timing but also the force that gives life to each of the instruments playing in that symphony in other words all of the biomolecules in our body or most of them have been developed and evolved under sunlight and so they're rather than thinking of these things as the like melatonin and vitamin D as something that does something I think of them more like a messenger to translate sunlight's power into a specific action in our body. But that's not just melatonin, it's not just vitamin D, it's also serotonin, it's also dopamine, it's also beta endorphin which is created under the power of sunlight which is our body's natural painkiller. There's so many nitric oxide which is released under the power of sunlight from our blood vessels. These are all things that when we're in the full spectrum that we evolved under, they all work more harmoniously and correctly. and when we're not getting the light and then we're tricking our brain with artificial lights to stay awake or be active because if you like think about it, if you worked in an office building that doesn't have a lot of windows and there were no lights on all day, not only would you not be able to see, but you wouldn't be able to stay awake if it was it was too dim. So it's not just about being able to see, they do have the huge effect of keeping us awake. And that gets me into a, a whole other thing that I, I won't go too deep down the rabbit hole, but basically, the core one of the core concepts here is that we've always thought of the eye many people as just a camera to see and observe things mm-hmm. but the eye's primary function before vision is to sensor to sense the environment in other words wavelengths of light go into the eye it's a sensor and it tells our brain to make certain hormones it's a certain time of year it's a certain time of day we do certain things with hormones and neurotransmitters and so on and that is what the eye does it's one researcher describes it as the non-visual portion of the optic nerve that carries non-visual information, so not pictures, but information about timing cues and energy and so on, seasons and so on. And there's a book, it's a great book called The Influence of Ocular Light Perception on Metabolism in Man and Animal. And this researcher, Fritz Hallwich from Germany, showed way back in like the 60s and so on that you know, the mid and earlier 1900s there were researchers studying this and in the 1800s basically light just passing through the eye not even the skin which is a whole different uh ball game which is also important but controls the function of basically every single organ system in the body and such that there are these people who would study who had cataracts which impeded the transmission of light through their eyes completely not completely but it it, it affected it significantly and when he would remove their cataracts and restore the full spectrum of light coming through their eyes, a lot of metabolites in their blood and urine that were completely off would start to normalize. Mm. So it's, it's very, very interesting, but there's a whole different world of how our eye works as a camera and a timekeeper and a sort of master sensor for the environment
0: beyond what we visually perceive. This is a perfect segue. Into raw optics yeah. and dangers of wearing sunglasses outside. So yes. let's, let's unpack those. First of all, you started raw optics. You said you have a couple of employees. I'm surprised you don't have more just given how prolific it's been. Well, we and, have several contractors to do a lot of things as well. Okay. But yeah. It's um, all, dude, I, I mean, how, like. <laughs> how did cause it happen? Because they're so, I mean, if you're watching on video right now, I, I've, I've been gifted a pair. Peyton's been gifted actually a few pair. And they look so dope. That's and what I noticed like when, when Sky had told me about you. I'm like, I've heard of these guys. And so I went on, checked out the website. And I'm like, these are so damn stylish because there's hard to find really cool ones. Mm-hmm. And when you care about style, like clearly you do. I mean, you put a lot of work into that. So give us a little a little snapshot about Raw, what the inspiration was, and then why it's important to wear. The, and you've got the the ones to, to wear it uh, during the daytime inside and um, the ones to wear at night. Yeah. I mean, please share. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, so when I was in
1: Bosnia on that exchange program, I was kind of interacting with different uh, people who were interested in the work of people like Dr. Jack Kruse and other high level thinkers in the mitochondria light and health fields. And so I made a friend through a Facebook group who, cause you know, when you're, especially if you're abroad, but in the modern world, like when you're, very interested in something very specific, it's hard to find your friends around you who are interested in that. So it's like, you're on Facebook and you meet someone really cool and you're just, you know, chatting and messaging and having a video chat or whatever. And so this friend's name was Keaton and he was telling me uh, about how, you know, I could start my own business and really take advantage of some of the things I was learning. And he gave me, or he suggested to me these books, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss which gave me the inspiration that I could have my own business and sort of have the level of freedom that I so desired. So Tim Ferriss is like a huge inspiration to me. Uh, And then there was a book called Zero to One by Peter Thiel, the founder of PayPal, about sort of the idea of creating something from nothing being the really hard thing to do zero to one, as opposed to one to a million, you can scale a lot easier, but really creating something from nothing can be harder. I wasn't really creating something from nothing because People already made blue blocking glasses and tried to make something a little more stylish, but the quality was low. But anyway, the main takeaway from that book for me was really just if you know something that the masses don't know, so to speak, you have a great opportunity there if it's really valuable. And uh, yeah, so that was that. And then The the Lean Startup by Eric Reese, I believe it's pronounced, is just sort of like the gold standard in Silicon Valley, I think, even still on sort of starting a startup and not just coming out with a huge business plan and having all this capital and all this stuff. It was just like, If this is a viable idea, there must be a way to create a minimum viable product to see. And that was his term he coined, minimum viable product to test whether my hypothesis of people might want this product or whatever it is or service, um, test it, see if it's actually true and then learn from there and then kind of scale up. So like, it's like very intentional scientific bootstrapping basically. Mm. And so that's what we did. I mean, I, so I had my whole senior year after my exchange program abroad junior year, I was just kind of like, still really, uh, you know, I wasn't like healed by any sense, uh, any stretch of the imagination fully. I had had lots of improvement in my health. I'd say until the last couple of months, like the last six to 12 months when I started learning about Dr. Joe and the importance of cultivating our inner light, which is the last step of the light diet, that was when things really started to click into place for me. Like, oh, okay. Like if I'm still living in fear and living in the past, I could get all the sun in the world and be in nature. But if I'm just constantly stressing out, It's like, what good is it for? I'm going to still be stressed and not feeling great and have other health complications as a result. So, and that was sort of where the work evolved from the people I had been studying to sort of broader expanses. Uh, And anyway, so senior year was a challenge, but I was thinking a lot about how to be financially free and how to have my own thing, not have to go to college on my parents' dollar. And uh, not that college would have been a bad option, but it's like, it's toxic environment. There's tons of EMF, tons of artificial light. You're indoors, you're around a lot of low energy partying, alcoholism and so on. And I'm just like, no, nah, it's not for me. You know? So, uh, I basically had that thinking going on for a while, thought of different ideas, lighting, lighting and coaching and, and so on. And eventually my friend Luke story now wasn't a friend at the time. He was interviewing this this researcher, Dr. Cruz. And I thought to myself, like, man, I, I wonder if I couldn't bring this information to an audience in a way that maybe would resonate with certain people differently or more than the way that Dr. Cruz was sharing it. And he's, again, total genius, this guy. But um, nonetheless, that was just my idea and maybe my way to get a little bit of you know a, a business started or it, be able to expand my coaching business, actually, was the idea. And the same night that I went up to, he was speaking in New York City at an event and I heard him advertising it on a podcast I was listening to with this guy, Dr. Cruz. Mm. And so it was like very synchronistic, And so because he's in L.A. So I was like, I wasn't going to get out to L.A. So I was like, but I could drive two hours up to New York from Philly to meet Luke Story, ask if I could go on his podcast. So sure enough, he said yes. And I guess looking back on it, I think the reason why, because I was like, quote unquote, nobody as far as thing goes. But he said it just seemed like he knew what he was talking about. I was friends with Dr. Cruz and all this different stuff. And so he. Just gave me a shot, you know, as this 18 year old who I think at the time, yeah, I just turned 18, who was interested. And the same night, my friend who came with me, who was also had sort of taken an interest in all this uh, quantum biology or mitochondrial health type stuff, light diet now type stuff was there. And we were both wearing these stylish glasses that were like custom made blue blockers where we had to, we had to work with a company to, we had to go buy our own frames that off the Shelves and those costs just by for a good frame alone is like two hundred plus dollars. Just if you you know anyone who wears glasses, like a frame costs a good quality frame, like the quality of what we're selling costs at least two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars, and that's not with the right lenses. Yeah. So our products are one forty five with everything because uh, we have Italian acetate. The frames are made of Italian acetate and German metal, so it's like the best that you can possibly buy. And that was my intention, just like let me let's just make them the best. If people don't want to spend the money, it's okay, but it's like it is the best. But anyway, that being said, um, at the time, that's what we did. And then we had to send these lenses to a tint company. It was a whole process and they tinted them and it worked out. And then we had to give them back to our optometrist because we didn't want to pop the lenses into the frame ourselves. But we did it. It worked out. And Luke was like, where'd you get these? And basically around that same time, I had seen an article of someone in these Facebook group circles posting about how to tint your own lenses. And I was like, oh, like maybe not everyone's going to want to buy a hot plate, a beaker and do all this themselves. Let me just see if maybe... More people than just Luke would want this, but let's do it for Luke to start. So like his purchase of the glasses paid for my first hot plate and beaker. And I basically started in my garage tinting and I put up a Google form for my personal like coaching and blogging website on there to let people like make their own order and they would send their own frames and then we would do the lenses and put them back in and send them back to people. And they would pay me through PayPal. And we just did that for like. And the funniest part is, I was I was about to go on a gap like a gap semester in Europe to travel because I just worked all summer, saved my money, so I four hour work week it completely. I hired a couple friends who were a grade below, so they were still in high school, and paid them good money to and showed them how to test the lenses and do every, everything right, and you know make sure every pair is tested, which is something that was really important to me and is still. And so we just ran that while I was traveling, and my mom helped ship packages and just sort of scaled it up slowly but surely and eventually moved out of my garage like six months later into a professional optical laboratory where you know there we contract out to them to make the the product properly but um and then it just developed over time as I made more connections in the optical industry and getting the right frames and the lenses and the best quality available and working with like the top researcher and developing lenses using specific pigments like the the lenses we have they use uses basically a, a certain Um, artificial or synthetic type of melanin, which is the the pigment in our body that protects us from, you know, excess light. And that's what's used in our lenses as the base pigment to Mm. absorb the light like maximal. It gives the maximal protection and maximal color perception possible and clarity of the lens that can possibly be found. I mean, this guy's been researching and studying the use of melanin in lenses for decades. And so we got to that point where we literally have like the best frames and the best lenses that you could possibly make. And I'm always you know, wondering if, if there's any way we can make it better. We always will. And that's kind of the idea. Like the iPhone comes out with a new generation here and there. But anyway, it, it started just from that one night from Luke. And like I mentioned to you, that one podcast when it was released six months later, now that the business had gone going and was really had moved out of my garage and was growing. It was when Rick Rubin had reached out because he heard the podcast. And I was like, whoa, you know, he got like a really high level in, in a very ex- accomplished person who here's this podcast and is interested. And I, and I met a ton more really interesting people um, just from them hearing that podcast, you know, Ben Greenfield had to reach out cold from a different podcast sometime around then. I was like, Whoa, like this is someone five years ago. I was like, you know, super stoked about reading yeah. his work in the beginning. And uh, yeah. so then all of a sudden it's like, we're interested in talking and hanging out and learning from each other. And that was sort of like the inception of the business. And then the last since September, 2017, when it started, um, three years was like me sort of traveling, trying to find my way in life and, you know, learning that it isn't about where I am. That's going to make me happy, but it's more about like who I am. And that's sort of been like that lesson, but in parallel, I was trying to grow the business and it was a challenge. Like I, I look back and sometimes think like, you know, I have certain there's competitors, like there's a great company called blue blocks. They're the only other one. They sponsor JP and they sponsor Aubrey and they sponsor a lot of, you know, they have the cash to do that with a lot of people. And, um, and they're doing great. They're the only other ones, the guy, Andy, who runs, it's a great, he's a great guy. They're the only other ones who have the right protection in their lenses, as well as good, you know, good, attractive frames. We're sort of a step above as far as our frame quality goes and our lens technology. But again, they're the only other ones I would recommend. The issue is with all of the other, and it's funny that I would even say that about, you know, but it's true, but all the other companies on the market, essentially, there's a couple more in the health world that are like, closer like Swannies, their frames in my opinion, not just opinion, but they're very low quality frames. And their lenses could do better on their protection spectrum. And TrueDark, which is a bulletproof Dave Asprey satellite company, they are finally making more attractive frame styles. But for the longest time they would just literally break down on everyone and their lenses were too dark. Like you know, TrueDark, they're they're very dark, but um they made you tired, which is great. But my goal is to have it just to, to make it simpler for people, a day lens for maximal protection during the day and a night lens for maximal protection at night. But without going so far that you you completely lose all semblance of color perception, which is what their night lenses would do and, gotcha. and other ones would do. So, so that's sort of like the best balance between maximal protection plus uh, maximal color perception and function is why we settled on where we did with our night lens darkness level. And there's still, in many cases, like you can't see the color of your food when you're eating. So it's like, I'll wear my day lenses if, if I'm eating at night, just to still have like the majority of blue light protection and all that stuff, but um, still see a little bit better. Anyway, so that's sort of the story, but the real issue that's going on is that like 95% of the blue blocking companies on the market today are, they're selling clear transparent lenses that do not block any of the specific wavelengths emitted by LEDs and screens, which are the biggest issue. In other words, like blue, blue light goes from 400, to 500 nanometers on the spectrum. It's one of the most. It covers the most ground of almost any color on the color spectrum besides red. And it, if you block up to 420 nanometers of blue light, which is this is all present in the sun, then you can say you're blocking blue light. And that's what these lenses do. They block 100% to 420 nanometers. The issue is that 455 nanometers is where the spike emitted by screens and LEDs is located. It's centered around 455. It goes from like 440 up to 460 generally. So if you're blocking 100% up to 420, which is what these lenses do, and none at 455, what you're going to have is a lens that appears clear because it's not altering the color that's present coming through the lens, which is why our lenses have a color to them. Because when you, chain, when you block the blue that's disruptive, it's also visible. So you see less of the blue, which makes the lens appear yellow. Just like, think of it, if you have a full spectrum, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, it's white light or clear in, a, in an open environment. and then Transparent. If you take out the blue, you're left with green, yellow, orange, and red, and those combine to make more of a yellowish color. That's why the day lenses appear yellow because Mm -hmm. when you remove the blue, it, it combines to make more of a yellowish color. And then when you remove green, the majority of the green, you're left with red, orange, and yellow, which combine to make more of a red, which is why our night lenses are reddish because. The the green is also cut out because green is not quite as high energy and impactful on our circadian rhythm like blue is, but it's still a little bit more high energy and has some effect on our circadian rhythm. So we block the majority of blue, or I should say green as well as blue at night to give a stronger impact on making people more tired. And thing about fire. It only has red, orange, and yellow really in it, unless you're burning a hot burning fuel like propane, then it'll have some blue as well and green. But that's, you know, we really don't want that at night. We want like firelight and so that's what the night lenses mimic so anyway though point is there's this it's sort of like a a big scam that's occurring people buy these things called blue light glasses from you know different companies yeah the ones i the ones
0: i've been wearing at night watching tv or or, yeah they're They're like translucent yeah they're like a little there's
1: like a little smoke to them there's and there's sometimes they put a flashy blue coating which blocks a lot of the blue up to 420 nanometers but again it's so it's like I it, don't need those anymore pretty, anyway. I got like, exactly. well, I
0: got those ones over there. So yeah. you get the idea. It's it's hard to,
1: it's, it's hard to really, um, understand why it's happening. Like, why are these companies selling and why is nobody suing them and going after them for, you know, false marketing. And literally I've had screen, they're, they're marketed on the box. It says screen lenses I've tested and they block none of the light coming off of a screen. Like, and you can just do use with my spectrometer. Yeah. yeah. I should have brought it. But anyway um Mm -hmm. so that's that's the thing so raw optics has been sort of just this mission to you know make the best blue blockers but also from the beginning to be able to fund my own research and creation of the light diet and all this stuff so i'd like to expand into you know light lighting products light devices we're already working on that kind of stuff um and that's very exciting because it can give people more things they can use But for me, I know that the educational piece is where I can bring the most value. So with the business, I'm sort of at a place where I'd really like to sort of be able to continue my research as full-time as possible and have the business. So that's a, a, you know, other conversation as you're you're a weather businessman, we could talk, but um, so anyway, yeah, that's, that's the story of raw optics. So the, the key things for the takeaways for people is like, from the light diet may i kind of hop into it It's like yes the, the key takeaways are very simple the light diet has eight steps and the first three are the most Im- the first three and the last one are the most important but they're all very important just to skim through them and we can go in a little more depth but step one is to sleep with the sun which involves not eating in i'll, I'll skim through them pretty quickly and then we can go back where we want to But basically sleep with the sun don't eat food within three to four hours of going to sleep because it disrupts our circadian rhythm. Watch the sunset and wear blue light blocking glasses. So this encompasses the evening and night portion of our circadian rhythm and darkness. The sec- step two is rise with the sun, which is basically watch the sunrise for as close as you can get to the horizon. Watch it rise for 15 to 20 minutes, hitting the eye directly. The most powerful way to set the circadian rhythm along with watching the sunset. And that, that's huge. Step three, and just live outdoors during the morning light as much as you can and get that light on your skin, caught when you're drinking your coffee, eating your breakfast, whatever, Um, even meditating, doing a podcast, whatever, you know, step three is to live outdoors during the day. So basically this encompasses spending as much time as we can outdoors, even if we're in the shade or opening up our windows and so on and letting that full spectrum in and um, also sunbathing amply with good regularity, especially in the summer when the sun's available. Step four is to drink unfluoridated spring water. So that's the water that brings in our body uh, or that stores the light, you know, and takes the light in. Fluoride and other things can calcify our pineal gland and cause all sorts of issues, not to mention municipal city tap water is full of all kinds of toxins that you can research and learn about on the internet. But uh, step five is to eat a seasonal, local seafood-based diet. That's the food portion. I don't get too adamant about that because people get triggered by, if it's not perfectly carnivore, or vegan, or paleo, or grain-free, or v- gluten-free, like whatever, it's, it's, it's not, right? Because people get very dogmatic about food. And I think the reason for that is because people are lacking perspective and context on how we are very, very able to function at very high levels on a wide variety of, including even plant-based diets. And people will kill me for saying that, but some of the healthiest people I know are, Extremely dialed in yogis who are plant based, and they might say, "Oh, well, let me look at their labs, and I can tell you their labs are freaking good, and their energy's good, way better than most carnivores, to be honest." But um anyway, <laughs> it gets very charged. That's so a good point. Throw though. my glad, shields I'm, a little. No, bit yeah, no, I'm glad you brought
0: that up because I think that is like these other things you're talking about. There's there's not a lot of nuance to it necessarily, but with the diet, like, yeah, this is what you're recommending. This is what you, based on your research as well, that and it feels good for you. But there are, it's like and you've talked about this before, but people get get so focused, hyper-focused on the diet, and it's just one tranche in the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. there are many diets for each person. And as you've talked about throughout the year, to change that with what's going on with the season, what has happened with our natural rhythms throughout evolution is important if you really want to get granular with it. But the point, I think your overall point is If you're eating something that's working for you and makes you feel good, then, then keep doing that. Absolutely. And it's like for someone to say that diet is the most
1: important factor for health is like telling me that the, 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 the type of gasoline you're putting in a McLaren is the reason it's a McLaren. Mm. It's like, no, it's not. It's a McLaren because the engine works really well. It has nothing to do with the the fuel. Sure. You want to put premium in. Definitely. You don't want to put in junk. But, and you want to build it, I mean, if we get a little more holistic, you want to build it out of great quality parts. So yes, the food is critically important, but if you don't have the timing and the systems to take advantage of all those, that building blocks, the fuel, or to burn it properly for both the structure and the energy components of food, then what are you doing? You know, like it's just, it's not the main place that people, many people need to be focusing, to be honest. And yeah. it's important, very important to not eat junk food. junk food clogs our engine it destroys it and if you don't have good building blocks the nutrients the proteins and you're gonna have problems but it's it's just very important that that nuance is understood in my opinion and so the step uh that's five six is to take advantage of temperature therapy it used to be focused exclusively on cold thermogenesis but now i've i want to include sauna and heat therapy Mm. and so basically cold thermogenesis optimizes our mitochondria by inciting our body to start producing our own infrared light in our mitochondria we burn our fat and we stay warm that's that story of the mammal ancestor that survived the extinction event of the dinosaurs was because it was warm-blooded meaning that it's mitochondria take fuel and uncouple that fuel as heat we release it as heat in in a cold environment and so we're, we're both burning fuel for energy constantly but we're also burning fuel releasing it as heat and it's cool because Dr. Wallace, one of the other things this mitochondrial researcher I talked about earlier discovered, besides the fact that all the modern chronic diseases are mitochondrial in origin, not genetic. And I'm going to start using the term mitochondrial henceforth for those diseases. Because I was like, what do we really, are they chronic? Are they modern diseases of, well, people call them diseases of society? They're mitochondrial diseases, effectively. And so, anyway, um, the thing he showed, one that was fascinating, totally separate subject, but basically is that mitochondria are. Inherited uniparentally, meaning only from our mothers. So, whereas our genes are split 50 50 mother father, the reason for two sexes in multicellular organisms, because bacteria and archaea, they don't have men and women or males and females, but any yeast, fungus, and I should say fungus and plants and animals has two sexes male, female. And the reason why is because there has to be one sex dedicated to trans. Supporting mitochondria through the generations Mm -hmm. and that sex in our case is female and that's why women are considered like the givers of life i mean obviously they have the baby that's how it works but basically with the nuclear genes those are like i talked about the wiring diagram versus the blueprint of the of the power plant the the blueprint our genes can be mixed in every generation because they're more having to do with structure and function and so on So they can be, they're basically able to be spliced and mixed in. It doesn't have an effect on our body, except often it's a positive advancement genetically. It could, you know, it does have an effect. I shouldn't say that, but it it can be positive. It's not going to be super negative usually. Now, depending on the environments you're in and so on. um, So, I mean, if someone was into racial theories, of course, they would argue that certain genes have evolved better for this or that purpose or whatever. and, And that gets, that's really not a place that I think is, is substantiated by evidence are worth going. Um, you know, there are advantages to having like for example, lighter skin in low light areas simply factually that if you have the darkest skin, you it takes 6 times as long to make the same amount of vitamin D. So if you have lighter skin in a low light area, you are evolved to function optimally in that environment whereas if you have light skin and you live in Africa, you're going to get cooked and probably die of heat exhaustion if you didn't have air conditioning oftentimes. So it's like there's a benefit to each, you know, to say mm-hmm. that there's no relevance is completely bullshit. But So anyway, um, in this, in, in a different way, mitochondria, if you splice them every generation, because they're so finely tuned for energy generation in a particular environment at a particular time, if you mix the genes of the mitochondria in with the mother and the father, then what happens when they've done this in labs, nature doesn't do it for this reason, but the offspring come off as either, they die almost very shortly after childbirth or they are psychotic and they express all sorts of psychosis diseases because the brain very energy demanding can't function at all so um the point is with with this happening the mothers pass on mitochondria by themselves because that way the wiring diagram can stay consistent throughout each generation in those environments and the men don't we don't mix in our, our mitochondrial genes and mess it up.
0: Okay, that makes so, sense.
1: Yeah, I and mean, we could be, men could be the ones who pass on the mitochondria, but in that case, we would be the women, basically. So anyway, that's, that's one of the things Dr. Wallace discovered, which is a huge breakthrough. And, and one of the reasons it's so important for what we're talking about is that people always say like, oh, heart disease runs in my family, or this or that runs in my family. Like it, it's, it runs in everyone's family because we're all living the same technology-based, indoor, sunlight-deficient lifestyle. Every family you look at has either heart disease, obesity, diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, dementia, almost every single family in the industrialized world. So it's not genetic. It is mitochondrially genetic. So these are being passed down through our mothers. So like, for example, it's funny to see, but like my mom had a lot of allergies. I had a lot of allergies too. My mom has sensitivities to certain foods like gluten and eggs and so on. I had those too. So these things are passed. So we need to be looking at our mothers because their, their mitochondrial damage whatever level of damage they have is what we inherit as babies. And another interesting thing is the older a woman is when she has a child, the more prone they are to mitochondrial disease and damage and things like autism as well, which is another mitochondrial disease because the longer those egg cells sit in the woman's body, the more, uh, the older they are. So the, the baby is born as an older human. if that makes sense. Whereas if a woman has a child when she's 20, that baby is born with much younger mitochondria. Anyway, all that's to say about Dr. Wallace. Um, we were talking about sort of the step se- uh, seven or six: get cold or take advantage yeah. of temperature therapy. Humans who live in northerly latitudes, our mitochondria or descend from that, which is like you and I. We have this l- white skin, so we descend from likely Northern Europe or sure. the Caucasus, presumably Northern Europe. But anyway, we, you know, you have lighter hair too, so it's definitely Northern Europe. But basically, that. Our mitochondria are tailored for cold exposure. So basically, whereas in Africa, the mitochondria of people are they're tight, what's called tightly coupled. So when they take in one banana, for example, or one unit of energy, it's maximally converted into energy very efficiently. It doesn't release a lot of heat, it doesn't leak a lot of heat. And that's helpful because you can sprint faster, you can perform harder. you can you know, you can perform longer without overheating which is why Kenyans usually win all the marathons everywhere in the world because their mitochondria are the most tightly coupled, the most efficient. Our mitochondria are by design inefficient because in, Dr. Wallace likes to say, when you go north of, you know, the Middle East, it's not running away from lines you have to worry about. It's freezing to death. So our mitochondria are less efficient by design. They release a lot more heat over time. So we'll get mm. hotter more quickly. And that's like Wim Hof's of the world and so on. And so we... Have that advantage in our mitochondria. So, the point is, some people are a little bit going to be better at cold exposure significantly. Some are going to be having a harder time with it. We all still have the underlying mechanisms to do it, but it's just that some of our mitochondria are more apt to that. Some aren't. Some are more apt to handling high heat and being, you know, endurance. And this is why, again, well, one of the reasons why, besides just the fast twitch muscle thing, which was a previous theory, that Africans or African Americans are often just the absolute best performers in so many different sports um so anyhow um i don't like to talk about anything related to race yeah i hear you get so triggered but it's like this is just biology but anyway so that's step six step seven is to avoid or mitigate man-made electromagnetic fields so all the stuff we talked about with dr marino power lines wi-fi bluetooth cell phones airpod headphones computers all that stuff and then step well that's that and artificial man-made light because that's another electromagnetic field It's just one we see step eight is to cultivate our inner light so that's basically uh doing the work to eliminate those energetic blockages old belief systems you know like if you did all the other stuff but you didn't have any fun in your life or play which is like kind of where i felt like i was at for a long time Mm. just being hyper focused on business and not on like being a 19 year old or whatever 20 year old at the time 21 year old now um so yeah, that was like a very important piece. And I think that sort of the ties a nice bow in all of it.
0: So Yeah. And I, I love the the last one especially because that's something that in at at my ripe old age of forty-nine, I've been really orienting towards joy and play. And so when you we were sitting here before we, we got on and you had a football. I was like, dude, did you bring the football? Cause we have footballs here because I have kids mm-hmm. and you're like, Yeah, I just I love throwing the football. I was like, Well fuck, let's go play, let's yeah, go toss it around. That, and so we did so that great. and then We got out the gel blasters and like, let's play for a little bit before we sit down and and play a little bit more. But yeah, of course. Um, So tell me, uh, you have someone who comes in and they're in dysfunction, Mm -hmm. right? Like what are the, you're going to give them a couple nuggets to work on because as as you know, like, and you you said it before, like they're all important, but these are the ones Mm -hmm. like to focus on because it's, can be overwhelming for people. Mm -hmm. Totally. What are the ones that they're going to get the most bang for their buck right away? Yeah, so I would say really like you would want
1: to start by watching Like I recommend watch every sunrise and sunset if you have issues because that's the sure, most surefire way to start resetting circadian rhythms. So ideally just find any high point with a view of the horizon near where you live. It can be hard if you live in like Philly where I grew up. It was so hard to find because there's so many trees and they're so tall that you'd have to like really find a hill and clearing. For me, it was like the bleachers at like a high school because there's enough space from the track and the field, get a good view. But, um, and you get just a little bit higher up. So, or your roof, if you can get on your roof and don't fall off, please. Mm. But um, that's step one is just watch the sunrise and then, or watch the sunset and also watch the sunrise. With the step one of the light diet, it's watch the sunset and wear blue light blocking glasses. So if you have issues, I would say get Roptics a bundle. So we sell bundles of the day and night. It's like a, it's a, a pair or a set because most people who live indoors today need both so the night lenses you use after the sun goes down to block blue light and most green light to protect melatonin and then the day lenses you use anytime you do have to be indoors during the day so it's just watch the sunset wear your night lenses then step two is watch the sun rise and then basically Live outdoors as much as you can throughout the day is, is going into step three. Back to step one, another important thing is for meal timing. I recommend people eat a bigger breakfast. And this is, again, something that I've learned from Dr. Jack Cruz. The importance of breakfast in general to set our circadian rhythm is very powerful. So there's this big trend of fasting, shipping sure. breakfast, and then eating a big meal later in the evening. But that's sort of backwards from a circadian rhythm perspective. It'd be much better to activate and turn on our metabolism and get our body sort of cranking um it really upregulate our brain function all these benefits of eating a good high protein breakfast and it also can help people lose weight if you're activating your metabolism in that way and then stop eating around five or six definitely like before sunset in general you know ideally i don't do it every night but almost like you know probably 29 nights out of 30 i eat my last meal like before 6 a p.m so that's sort of the idea and just those few steps watch the sunset, wear blue blockers after sunset, watch the sunrise, live outdoors as much as you can, eat a bigger high-protein breakfast and minimize the eating later into the evening. And then for me, you know, the one other thing I would add is I would say sunbathe as well. Like as much, and this is, I could have a whole conversation about sunbathing, what to do, listen to your body, don't burn. I would say get as much sun as you can without burning. And if you live in a wintry place, Still get outside, even if it's cloudy all day long, like it is in Philly in the winter and Chicago a lot of the time and Boston, you know, get out as much as you can throughout the day. Get up and walk outside when the sun's coming up anyway. Just get that morning light, get out and get the evening light. If you can walk outside as much as you can throughout the day. And in the wintry places, I would say, take advantage of like a sauna, take advantage of a bonfire or a fireplace at your house and like take your shirt off and get right up next to it. It'll feel really good. Um, take advantage of cold therapy. Like the rest of the steps, you know, five uh, or four, five, six, and seven. So drinking spring water that's clean, like that's not that hard. Just go to the store and buy spring water jugs, like the five gallon big jugs, or get a delivery service of clean spring water. Step five, eating a clean diet. Most people who are listening to this probably already do that. So I would just recommend going, doing that. Just eat, going to the farmer's market and In the summer, eat more fruits and vegetables. And in the winter, eat more meats and stews and fats. And, you know, that's pretty simple. Um, Don't eat a bunch of toxic junk food, you know. And then step seven, um, cold, or I should say six is temperature therapy. Again, it's like you don't have to do this. But if you can work in, you know, taking your shirt off a little bit more in the winter and getting some cold on your skin from the air, getting in a cold pool, Getting in a lake, like everyone, most people have like a river, a lake, something or a pool or an ocean, something where they can get in. Do that in the summer and do it in the winter. Take cold showers if you can. Follow Wim Hof on Instagram and just do what he says. Mm. Um, You know, get a sauna if you can, but those are expensive for many people. So then just have a bonfire in your fireplace. Have a bonfire in your backyard. I built a little bonfire pit in my backyard with bricks, just a couple bricks like in a circle and then up it from the middle of the base as well. And it was like, perfect. And when I have bonfires and I had snow on my back and the fire on my chest and yeah. it was so great. And you know, you just feel the warmth. I can feel it when I talk about it. But step seven, avoid EMFs. This is one where there's a couple more facets and it's very important. So the simplest things to do, is gonna sound crazy for people, but turn your phone on airplane mode when you're not using it. So you're not always accessible to people. And if you have to be always accessible to other people calling you, like you have kids or whatever, then keep it off your body. Um, Keep it even a purse or a backpack when you're moving around. but Mm. Not in your pocket. Uh, that's one. My phone's always on airplane mode. So, like, it's annoying, especially when I turn my friends onto it, because then I can't call them and they won't just pick up. But, like, you text and then you see it when you go offline or when you go back off of airplane mode online. Uh, that's one big one. Turn your Wi Fi off in your house while you sleep. If you want to go a little further, buy Ethernet cables and hardwire your devices to your Ethernet or to your Wi Fi. Buy an Ethernet grounding adapter from electrahealth.com so that your Ethernet cables are grounded, so there's not dirty electricity jumping from your router onto the cables onto your computer, at which point it's not the smartest thing to hardwire it because I've had that happen before. Like, I'm hardwired on Ethernet trying to reduce Wi-Fi, but then I'm getting a whole different type of electricity because I'm plugged into the grid. Like You never want to use your computer while it's charging because it's completely electrified. It's like different things like that. But um, Wi-Fi, blo- kill the circuit breaker to your house if you can while you sleep. That's a great thing. You don't need electricity while you're asleep or at least to this different circuits besides the refrigerator and the whatever else need might need to be on overnight. Those are things people can do. And it seems extreme, but it's like, it's like go live in a a log cabin in the woods in nature. And that's basically the same thing. It's just like kind of how to sort of reverse engineer our modern lifestyle to get a little bit closer. And that's it. Step eight for cultivate your inner light. There's like Kyle said on the podcast, I just interviewed him for the light diet um, the other day. And he's like, there's so many spiritual books, you know, so many great books about it. Just read one and go with it. Yeah. But I, I like to recommend people to Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I'd say, listen to his interviews with Aubrey Marcus and others. You'll get it quickly that like any suffering is like sort of a choice of ours. It's like a choice and it's a, it's limited identification as an individual, as part of a greater whole and limiting our identification to being this, you, you know, individual being. And I still suffer and struggle and think about overthink this and that plenty. Sure. i'm not enlightened being but there is a path there that we can all follow if we want to put in the work as dr joe calls it to ascend that daily life struggle that's going to zap our energy and take away from all the good things we're doing for ourselves so that is the light diet
0: in this dude process. awesome i'm trying to think if there are any other questions that came up for me i know sunglasses yeah. Sunglasses. Not good because
1: if we thinking about all the non Just from everything you just talked about. Yeah. Everything yeah, just, we land just talked it for about. people. It's like basically the stimulus, just like the light through the eye stimulates so many other things. One of the other things that stimulates additionally is the production of melanin in our skin. So like, the, have you seen like the animals, the chameleons or whatever that change their color with their environment? Sure. It's the light coming in their eye that stimulates what color they're gonna become. Mm, okay. So they in the book, the influence of ocular light perception on metabolism in man and animal, they showed a picture of an animal that was on like a you know, black background and therefore it should turn black, but they had like white where its eyes were and the whole thing stayed white. So the eyes are the sensor for the rest of the body. And so when we put sunglasses on, we're blocking the light that's telling our brain that the light is strong and powerful, which is the stimulus for our, our skin to make more melanin, to protect ourselves from the powerful light. So wearing sunglasses causes skin cancer, not sun. You wear sunglasses, you block the light that stimulates the brain to make the things. It's called alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone, which stimulates melanocytes to make melanin, which protects the rest of our body, our skin from that strong light. You wear sunglasses, all bets are off. You're gonna burn, you're gonna have problems. So that's just one thing, not to mention the direct damage to the eye when we eliminate certain portions of the spectrum. Like the big, even the, the big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton talks about this. Like what we block the ultraviolet It, um, it basically that range of light we're blocking with sunglasses has an impact on our pupils contraction to sort of get a little smaller to let less light through because it's so intense and powerful that we don't need as much coming in. And so wearing sunglasses sort of trips up this mechanism of protecting our eye itself, letting a lot more of the remaining colors of the spectrum, including high energy blue, which we've talked about how in isolation Mm. it can be damaging. So that's another issue of of excess or of just wearing sunglasses. But, you know, if you're skiing and you're going to get blinded or you're on a boat and you're going to get blinded, Dr. Alexander Wunsch, who is another resource, people can look up W-U-N-S-C-H. He's been on a lot of podcasts with Mercola and Dave Asprey and Luke Story and Ben Green or others like that. But uh, talking about light, he's like the expert on light specifically and he talks about how you could wear like a a, a gray type of sunglass lens where it doesn't just cut all the UV based on the false idea that UV is bad for us, but it equally reduces the intensity of the rest of the spectrum. But for me, ever since starting to strengthen my eyes, like doing these things, I've been on boats, I've been on ski snow, I've been on everything, and and I've never had a problem where the light was too intense for my eyes. It's just sort of like a muscle where it gets stronger. I remember distinctly. And at a time when I was like across the street from my house when I was like 10 years old, summer sun was so bright and I was squinting and I couldn't even see because I couldn't handle it. That wasn't because of the sun. Yeah. That was because I lived indoors and always looked at a screen. So, or TV. So anyway, that is some good info. Anything else that's kind of coming to mind?
0: Uh, well, I mean, you're, you're heading to Costa Rica tomorrow. So what's like, what's next for you in in, <laughs> in
1: general? So I'm, so I'm like I mentioned before, really You know, I want my business to do really well and thrive and grow because of just the opportunity to fund my research really is like the main thing uh, for me. And it's a medium through which the practical applications of this research and knowledge can be given to people. So, uh, or sold to people in this case. So the glasses, the potentially lighting Lighting, products, there's a lot, there's a huge opportunity on this stuff uh, entirely. So that's something that is definitely a focus. But uh, I want to focus more on just learning because the last three years since I got into the business, I sort of like all this information, a lot of this that I'm sharing about is just stewing and digesting from the five years prior to starting my business. And in the last couple of years, I've, I've learned a ton about business and myself and this kind of stuff. But I really want to dive into a different, a new sort of realm of exploration and subjects that fascinate me beyond light, which include like Jung, like history. I'm really interested by history, language. I speak four languages or three. Three, very fluently for pretty fluently so Damn. english i learned uh, spanish from sort of a peruvian pair growing up but more from i heard it from her they sadly they didn't realize how how easily we could have learned it if she really spoke it more yeah. but i was able to really learn a lot in middle school when i applied myself and then just traveling a lot i've learned a lot of spanish so costa rica is easy for me there with spanish i learned serbo-croatian it's called serbsko hrvatsky when i was in um in bosnia so i like I got that still Damn. somehow 5 years later um and Italian I learned at school while I was over there too so I learned a lot of that but not enough to consider myself fluent but anyway so I want to study languages more history philosophy mythology sort of like ancient I really just want to make my own conclusions and then and yeah. then read more of the interpreters and stuff like Jung and and really go deep there and continue to learn about biology where it's relevant and as it it, it grows in extension, but I'm more interested now in the mind and the being and, um, the extensions of the biology. I feel like I know enough to kind of cover my own bases and yeah. to share. I have this sort of thing where I get into like imposter syndrome, I'm like, man, like, I don't know if I know enough about like, someone asked me that particular question about this thing. I'm like, you know what? I can just say, I don't know the answer. Like, I don't need to worry about that. Anyway, you get the idea. So that's, that's where I'd great like to, head. to learn that yeah. at 21 brother. <laughs> <laughs> Holy <laughs>
0: shit. Yes. And you travel a lot. That's awesome. It. I mean, you're living, you're living life. And- <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing. Um, people can find you. I know on Instagram, The Light Diet. Like, where else can people find you? I'd say the Instagram, The Light Diet, is probably the best place. And
1: com, R A Optics.com. It's named for Ra, the Egyptian god of sunlight, but medicine and healing as well. And optics just means light. So it's sun, light, raw optics. Mm. And um, basically, that's it in your podcast, a light diet Diet podcast. That's a new thing that I think people should definitely check out if they want to hear deeper perspectives as how it relates to light and inner light with all these different experts, uh, who I've been interviewing. And I'd say those are the best places I might get on clubhouse or telegram or whatever else it is now. That's the thing that, you know, but you get the idea. Yeah, that's, that's it. I'm, I'm, uh, people can subscribe to the raw optics email list. I'm probably going to start sending out a light diet newsletter pretty soon. So great. that'll be great. As I get more into the research front back, kind of dive deeper into that. So yeah. Awesome. Much
0: love. You've been listening to the great Unlearn. for more information, check out the show notes or head over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats in the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five star rating and review, as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.